Welcome to Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. Did you grow up in the 70s and 80s? Did you rush home from school to watch reruns of The Brady Bunch and The Partridge Family? On each episode of Don't Touch That Dial, three guys who love TV will look back on those days and talk about the shows and stars that made watching television before streaming, DVRs, and even VCRs so special. The latest episode of Don't Touch That Dial was recorded before the passing of Marty Croft. We are honored to present it to you in tribute to Croft's remarkable accomplishments. Hello, Slee Stacks and Sea Monsters, and welcome to another episode of Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. Today, we are talking about Sid and Marty Croft and their weird and wonderful kid shows that aired on Saturday mornings in the 70s. I'm Anthony Stecker. I'm Jody Schwartz. And I'm Keith Loria. Before we get to the world of Sid and Marty Croft, Keith has an update on an event he attended during which Henry Winkler promoted his new memoir, Being Henry, The Fonz and Beyond. This is a tough challenge challenge, but we need to make this kind of quick. Keith, just tell us a little bit about what this event was and what your experience was there. The Fonz was in D.C. doing a reading and a signing uh, for his new book. I got to go. Um, any opportunity to see Henry Winkler, I am going to take. It was like an hour interview. He told stories, uh, many I had never heard before, and I've seen him a few times do similar things. And so far, I, I started the book. Great book. Really enjoyable. Definitely go out and get that one. If you have the chance to you know, see a similar event, Go check it out. I know he's touring the country right now. Can you tell us one quick story that you hadn't heard before? Because that is pretty impressive that there was a story you hadn't heard. So he, someone asked him about the Jump the Shark reference and whether it bothered him. And, you know, he was talking about how Happy Days still was number one for years after the Jump the Star Shark episode. So obviously it wasn't the curse that people think it was. It's not like the Ted McGinley curse. And, <laughs> and he said, he talked about how it happened. Henry Winkler's father went up to Gary Marshall and said, my son water skis because he was telling Henry to to tell him for years tell him you can water ski tell him you can water ski and he finally told him so once Gary heard that he's like ah oh, and had the jump hey, over the shark skis. moment gotta get him on skis <laughs> well you know what can you imagine being Henry Winkler you're so successful and famous and you're like oh no my dad's telling Gary about the water skiing very cool very cool and I think jump the shark gets a little misunderstood the the people it's, it's who did always it, been misunderstood yeah the people who did it never said a show's terrible after it. It's just that something changed. It wasn't quite as good as it used to be. Yeah, they had a lot of good episodes following that that moment and it's used incorrectly. Yeah, but I think their original definition is that jumping the shark is really more of a turning point. Yes. Not necessarily that the show is terrible from, you know, from that yeah. moment on. Agreed. Right. I was going to say he also had this great story about meeting Robert De Niro for the first time after Mean Streets. Uh, and I, I can't repeat it here because there's a lot of uh, cursing involved, but it was a very funny story. So one that you should hear. All right. Well, you can tell us later. I'll I'm tell you off camera. A, I'm shocked that there's a story involving De Niro that involves cursing. Yeah, right. Imagine that. All right. Well, let's get on to the topic of this episode, and that is Sid and Marty Croft. I'll give just a little bit of a background. They are brothers. They were born in Canada. One of them worked in Ringling Brothers Circus for a while, and they designed characters, I think, for television. Among the shows they were involved with was the Dean Martin show. And then they got hired by Hannah Barbera to do characters and sets for the Banana Splits. I guess the Banana Splits is technically not a Sid and Marty Croft show, but a Hanna-Barbera show. And then they went on to do a whole bunch of shows, H.R. Puffin stuff, The Bugaloos, Lidsville, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, Land of the Lost. So I guess just we'll start with Keith because I know Keith loves these guys. Where do you want to go with your, your, your first memories, your favorite show, wherever you want to go? Even though they were on Saturday mornings, uh, my, my biggest memories are that 
I would rush home from school and they would have kind of like the Sid and Marty Croft. I, I don't know if it was called the superstar hour or something like that. And there'd be two episodes on every day and you never knew what it would be. They had um, a few different shows too. Some of it was Saturday morning. Some of it was after school, but they had a right. few. Yeah. And it, you know, it could be Sigmund, it could be Land of the Lost. It could be the Lost Saucer with Jim Neighbors, also a great one. And you would always get disappointed if it was like the Bugaloos or Lidsville. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, bu- the Bugaloos was a, was almost like a big, long music video. The bu- you know, it wasn't really much of anything. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't think I remember this. So basically it was a syndicated version and they mixed up yeah. the shows. Basically they did a lot of different shows like in the sixties and then they syndicated them in the seventies as part of like packages. So some of them would be on Saturday morning. Some of them would be after school. They actually had a couple of things on Saturday mornings. They had the Croft Superstar Hours from 78 to 79, which had the Bay City Rollers as as part of it. And they had the Croft Super Show, which had a fictional band called Captain Cool and the Kongs, where uh, Michael Lembach was uh, Captain Cool. Yes. And they had shows like Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, which was actually live action, not, not puppets. And they had Wonderbug as part of that. Oh, and Magic Mongo. An interesting thing about Magic Mongo was that... Lenny Weinrib played Mongo, and he was also the voice of H.R. Puff. Little Sid and Marty Croft uh, trivia there. There's a lot of people that seem to be in several episodes, like different series. Like Billy Barty, obviously, was was in several of them. Witchy Poo was also, yes. What was the show you mentioned, Jody, that didn't have puppets? Electra Woman and Dinah Girl and Magic Mongo. Neither, they didn't have puppets. Electra Woman and Dinah Girl were two female superheroes, but not, again, all live action. And Magic Mongo, he was a genie. Lenny Weintraub was a genie. (laughs) and and he helped these uh, teenage kids get through life. Interestingly enough about Magic Mongo, Bart Braverman was played the bully in that and he was, his name was Ace by the way the bully's name was Ace and he was Binzer on the Vegas show. Also Electric Woman was played by Deidre Hall who is one of the the most famous soap opera stars of all time. I was actually, I was gonna, (laughs) I knew you would bring it up. I remember a Saturday show about a female superhero but I don't think it was that. Was there something else? Like I feel like she had things on her wrist with Mighty Isis. There was there. It was yes. part of Shazam. That wasn't Sid and Marty Croft, though. No, it was not. No. no. Okay. All right. Well, then let's stop talking. <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite show of theirs was Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, which I, I had. I don't remember well, but basically the premise was these two kids are on the beach and they find a sea monster, and the sea monster has a really annoying family, and <laughs> basically in every episode they're <laughs> trying to make sure nobody finds out Sigmund exists exactly that's basically my memories of this yeah. show and that I- was pretty much the whole premise just you know keeping <laughs> sigma that was part of the uh the theme song was in it too yes the theme song is awesome by the way one of my yeah. favorites one of the writers of the songs for these uh, for the show was bobby hart who co-wrote many of the monkeys biggest hits yes voice <laughs> voice hart with a songwriting team for the monkeys and that's just it a lot of these sid and marty croft shows were kind of set after the monkeys that you know they were same kind of like you know some of these quick hijinks you know the, the, yes, know, they're running around. Good point. So a lot of a lot of it, they they actually said that a lot of a lot of those shows were like tailored after that, after the monkeys. And the one kid was from Family Affair, right? Am right. I right about yes. that? Johnny yes. Whitaker. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I think. And when I was a kid, I think I thought this this kid's a huge. This guy's a huge star. He was Jody on uh, Family Affair. Yeah, and they did a reboot on Amazon. I yes. never watched that. I didn't. I tried to watch it. It wasn't good. And they basically just recast everything. Right. Wasn't I David Arquette that, in that? Yes, he was. Yeah. But I think instead of of recasting it should have still been with the original kids and now they're 60 and they still have to constantly protect Sigmund
Eggman from getting in trouble. That'd be so great. Yeah. And then, like, they realize that. We're still doing this. Yeah. And and it's really annoying to them. And then they realize that Sigmund's going to live for hours and it makes them face their own mortality. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Write it up. How did did this not happen? How did we not do this? (laughs) And I have to say about Sigmund, too, this is very important that Rip Taylor was in some later episodes. Rip Taylor was everywhere. He was. Yeah, he was. He was like Paul Lynn. He was like everywhere in the seven. Margaret Hamilton was in it. She's the witch yep. from the the Wicked Witch and Mary Wicks. You know who she is? No. You would definitely know her face. She was she was on every show. Uh, the thing that might stand out is she was the colonel on MASH who Margaret yes. was really nervous about. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So. It's interesting. And the, you know what? There were a lot of adults in the show, but interestingly enough, there were no parents. Right. They, yeah. You they never encountered a lot of adults, but not their own family. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite with that was always Puff and stuff. And I remember I have very clear memories of watching that show. I had no idea when I was a kid that it actually was came on originally in 1969. They they repackaged it yeah. in the seven. I thought it was new in the seven. I thought this was, you know, this is a new show. HR Puff and stuff had Jack Wilde as a kid named Jimmy who gets <laughs> somehow he gets onto this boat for no reason that he thinks is like this magic boat. And it's uh, the witch is trying to lure him into her castle to do God knows what. And HR Puff and stuff saves him. And now he lives there on on Living Island. And they call it Living Island because literally every inanimate object talks. And his, does his family know where he is? They never touch on that. They never. They, they, never, they, never, they never touch on where his family might think he is, but he's there on Living Island with H.R. Puff and stuff. And I don't know why he keeps staying there because it, his entire existence there, Witchy Poo, Billy Hayes is trying to get him to do whatever she's going to do to him. You, know, you would think he would just go home. You know, that would that would be safe, but he's there and H.R. Puff and stuff is always protecting him. And he, he, knows magic how, he, has the, he has a magic flute that talks. Ready the flute. And he knows to get home. He has like the means. He knows he could. It's not like Gilligan's Island. He knows he could just get on a boat and go home. They do all sorts of magic. You figure they would. He just never does. They never, they, they never really touch on the fact of why he just doesn't leave. You know, it's just there he is. And he's uh, Jack Jack Wilde playing him. That is a premise that would not fly today, even 20 years ago. It is actually one of the first live action, li- life size puppet program. There you go. Also another great theme. Yes. Yes. I do. Remember, I, I remember was, the theme yeah. and I know what HR Puff and stuff looks like. I re- I don't remember really anything else about the show. And he was he was the mayor of Living Island, HR Puff and stuff. What was his platform? <laughs> Yeah, he, he ran on we're going to save English children from witches. <laughs> and of course, I mean, we have to talk about Land of the Lost, which I kind of remember that show. I, I remember the premise. But the the one thing I remember is the Slee Stacks because they used to freak the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, those were scary. Those yeah, were the yeah, dinosaurs were not, but the, the Slee Stacks <laughs> were. I agree. Do you, there's somebody who is fairly well known, not for show business, who played the Slee Stack. Does anyone know who it is? I do not. I do not either. I only found this out yesterday on Wikipedia. Bill Lambeer was a slee stack. Really? A basketball player. Basketball player from the Pistons. Yeah. I don't remember them being that tall. Apparently they were tall and that's what they were looking for, like tall kids from like the local basketball team. Very So Bill Lambeer was a <laughs> Lambier was a slee stack. So the thing I remember about Land of the Lost. Or one for him. There you go. Right, right. It freaked me out a little when I was younger was all of a sudden the dad disappeared one episode and he was Uncle replaced. Jack. Right. He was replaced by his brother who just <laughs> happened to be looking for them. So went through kind of the same portal that the, the father went out. Rick. They actually revised the theme song for it because the theme yes. song tells the story. So when the episodes with Uncle Jack, they revise it. And the funny thing is with that, when they show it on the, on the opening 
opening credits, you see Uncle Jack for whatever reason in a canoe. Right. And that's and he's in a canoe, and that's how he gets sucked into this time portal. So was this just the, was this just a matter of the actor who played the dad wanted to leave the show? So yes. this is how they he hated Bill Lambeer, and that that was yeah. <laughs> By the way, I hope when, well, it, I, hopefully it's a long way off, but when Bill Lambert dies, I really hope the headline is Lee Stack passes away. <laughs> no mention of the NBA championships. Nothing. No. Why didn't they just recast the dad like on Bewitched? Would people have noticed? Kids might have noticed. Kids may have. Yeah. yeah. And it may have bothered them. But, but you know what? They went through the trouble of doing that, but they really didn't give a good explanation of why the father wasn't there anymore. He just sort of like got sucked into another portal. You know well, they, they did explain that he was doing his pylons they used to have these things called pylons with crystals inside (laughs) and he got sucked in and that's how jack got sucked back in this world so they definitely had an episode where they explained it which was interesting because they don't always do that on television and did did the father ever show up again no oh that was it did any of these shows resolve like did they have finales where like the kid from hr puff and stuff got home or the people from land of the lost got home no but by the way i feel like uncle jack was a jump the shark moment for that uh, for that show maybe (laughs) though though is that when shaka came into it i don't think shaka was in until until jack was in. i remember as a kid being disappointed when the Uncle Jack episodes were on. I wanted to see the father for whatever reason. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really even know why, but I remember as a kid feeling a little let down when the opening, oh man, it's an Uncle Jack episode. What's interesting, um, I had read this is that a lot of the episodes were written by very, you know, famous sci-fi writers at the time. And and Walter Koning from Star Trek actually did a, an yep. episode. Oh, really? There was a reboot of Land of the Lost. Did anyone know that in 1991? Yes. I never the, saw it, but I knew it existed. And the movie was with Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew about the movie. I did not know about the reboot. The movie's terrible. Yeah, no, I never saw it. Uh, I never <laughs> saw it. Either. What other uh, shows did these guys do that you guys remember? So like like we said, the Bugaloos, which Jody said was just really one long British video of yeah. this group. But I, was Margaret Hamilton in that one as well? Oh, uh, no. Billy Witchy Poo. Oh, it was Witchy Poo that was in it. Billy Hayes. Yeah, Billy Hayes was in it. I'm sure Rip Taylor oh, was in it. Wasn't, well. um, I feel like, uh, what's her name? Was it Phyllis Diller? Or, oh, or? she was. You're right. Yeah. She's a Phyllis Diller also supposedly was the basis for one of the relatives in Sigmund. Maybe the aunt. Ma- yeah, maybe. So Sid and Marty Croft were big Phyllis Diller fans, I guess. Well, who isn't? Yeah. One thing I'm going to bring up too about one of another favorite of mine, you mentioned the banana splits before, which was actually a split between Hanna-Barbera and Sid and Marty Croft. They did it, the banana splits, Flegel, Bingle, Drooper, and Snorky were the, these four giant puppets. And the way they packaged it in the 70s was from uh, actually from 70 to 82. So for a long time, they did this. The part of the show would be set in the banana splits like house wherever they lived or they'd be in an amusement park or somewhere and then they would introduce cartoons Hanna-Barbera cartoons such as uh, Adam Ant and Secret Squirrel um, Squid- oh. they would all be part of that so it would be like it, and so basically they took existing cartoons and then combined them with the banana splits and it would be like okay so suddenly so you'd see the banana splits doing something crazy and be like and now here's this and then they show an Adam Ant cartoon there was also a uh, an amusement park a Sid and yes. Marty Croft amusement park. Right, in- and you would see them walking around that. You would see yes. them. That would be part of it. You'd see them walking around the amusement park. You'd see them doing things and, and the sound, boing, you know, like sounds like that. Thing. Yeah, but the park was a flop. Right. It it's closed, now this CNN yeah. headquarters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And apparently there was an elevator that was part of the park that was a big deal and that elevator is still part of the, the CNN offices. There was so much land. Apparently some of the land's not used. I don't think there's like, you know, ignored Sid and Marty Croft stuff floating around. 
down. And by the way, the Banana Splits also had a very cool theme song. Right? Absolutely. They all That did. one yeah. I remember very well. Also had yeah. a very cool theme song. Wasn't there an episode of the Partridge Family where they went to an amusement park and the characters were sitting Marty Crawford? No, that, 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 that Brady, Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch. When they went to that amusement park in Cincinnati. Okay, but that wouldn't have been the Atlanta amusement park. That was... That was the Cincinnati one. Very famously, that was they were at the Cincinnati amusement park. Okay. Anybody else have anything to talk about? I do about want to say, guys? so probably when I was about five, six years old, I got to see, it was like an H&R Puffin stuff in concert. It was one of those things, I believe it was at the NASA Coliseum. I, I don't remember it. I went to that too. You did, yes. I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember I got like the program, which had like a coloring book inside. And I love that program. And, yeah. and I lost it once and I was so upset and tried to find another one, never could. There was no yeah. eBay back then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Have you looked recently? No, I hadn't even thought about it till just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what you're doing after we, we <laughs> about to say. <laughs> I may have to outbid Keith for that thing on eBay later. <laughs> All of a sudden, some guy's got some program, and like the bid gets up to a thousand dollars between two guys. <laughs> it's been up there for years. There's another uh, um show. Uh, oh, I got Lost a thousand. Let's talk about the Lost Saucer with Jim Neighbors and Ruth. Oh Bo yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely Ruth remember Buzz. this one. Oh, it was Buzz. so good. Yeah, that yeah. that was one of my favorites. I really like Jim Neighbors. You know, I, I'd already known who Gomer Pyle was at the time. Ruth Buzzy was in it too. Ruth exactly. Buzzy, yeah. But no, again, no puppets. Well, I guess occasionally aliens, right? Sometimes the yeah. aliens. Yeah, but they played Fi and Fum. Fum, um, yeah. You know, their, their flying saucer came down and they got a boy and his babysitter. That's what... the funny part about this. It's not even a brother and sister. It's right. a girl babysitting for a younger guy. And, and... and they're androids and they fight all the time. Who, Ruth Buzzy and Jim yes. Neighbors are androids? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're fighting androids. Yep. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to guess that Jim Neighbors is character isn't all that bright correct wow so <laughs> some other society on a different planet they made a dumb android <laughs> i don't remember the theme song for this uh, do you remember i the i do I, I remember the theme song really I re well. what, like where are you going are we it's going the in the song okay it just came to me and we got to pay rights now great oh yeah well you know. <sighs> Yeah. Come get us. There's actually several times during the show, too, where the girl says that, oh, your parents are going to kill me. <laughs> yes. I think that was her line. That was her. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Willis. There was one year, at least one year, could have been more than one, but there was one year when, you know, how they would always do, all the networks would do this. They'd have an intro to their upcoming fall season of Saturday morning cartoons. And there was one year when Fi and Fo hosted that. Yep. Like, it was like a Friday night before the first showing of the new shows. I remember that very well. Do you guys know about Four Out Space Nuts? Yes. Sure. Bob Denver. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember this yeah. one either. That, that was, was part of it as well. That's a yes. prime yes. time show. That was a prime time show. Am I right about that? I, I, I thought just it was know Saturday it. mornings. Yeah, I just know it from syndication all right that's in marty croft also so they had their uh sci-fi theme going with yeah uh... and and here's the funny part the reason that they're out in space is because bob denver's character act they're actually i think they're cleaning the ship they're doing something yes. i don't know if they're repairing bob denver's character actually pr accidentally presses something that sends them off into space <laughs> so <laughs> He screws up no matter what. He, he, you think Bob Denver read the script for the pilot and went, really? I got it. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he did that. I'm sure he did that, but he probably needed money. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I I don't. Maybe I vaguely remember that, but I don't think so. And they, they did a non, they did a Richard Pryor show. Pryor's Place? Yes. That I don't know. Yeah, I, but I think that's just like a sort of a regular sitcom. I don't think it had. No, no. It, was it wasn't regular. Richard Pryor walking around with puppets, right? Yeah. Although I would pay to see that. That would have been funny. 
<laughs> Ray Parker Jr. did the theme song for Pryor's Place. Yes. And we should also point out down the road, we'll do an episode about variety shows, but Sid and Marty Croft were responsible for a lot of a the lot 70s of them. era. Yeah. They must have been fun guys. Probably to- either a lot of fun or a huge pains in the neck. Probably a little of both. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's a, a little of both in there. But I mean, you know, the minds that it takes to create things like this is pretty interesting. There's one other thing I remember about these shows being on back back when they were on it for syndication. And this is really only for the Long Island fans that are listening. They would always be on when they had the contest where you would go, picks, 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 picks. Oh, yeah, you guys yeah, remember yeah. the video games? No, of course. Of course. I always wanted to get on that. Yeah, so everyone and, did, yes. And play the game. I was like, oh. But the Jody, game was always on. we know someone who did it. Oh, oh really? Uh, Barbara. I didn't realize that. Okay. If, if, if my memory serves correctly, yeah. Oh, she, yeah, you uh, know what? That does sound familiar. Did she win? I don't remember. We may we'll have to have, have her, her on, on as a guest. <laughs> yeah, okay. Can we get, can we get our producer to call up that Barbara now and get her on the phone? <laughs> And there'd always be some wise guy just going, always some jerk. Oh, that was great. And I think all something that people would say about Sid and Marty Croft in general was that it was very drug influenced. But I believe they denied that. They did deny it. Yes. Yeah. It's like the same thing with the Beatles with Lucy in the Sky. They they completely denied any drug, you know, thing. It just looked like, yeah, it was was just very psychedelic. You know, it had the, the colorful backgrounds. They had people floating sometimes, weird music. Music, things popping up out of nowhere going boing. And I, kn- I know we didn't talk about Lidsville, but it I don't even think it deserves any time. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was that bad. Wow. What was it? Did you watch it? I almost did a spit take. I did watch it. I, I don't even remember. I just remember I was so disappointed. It was the most disappointing thing in the world when yeah, yeah, Lidsville was-, was on and you're expecting Sigmund or Land of the Lost. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and he's right. That's just it. You turn these things on and there was always a variety of things they might show and you were like, oh, when that one came on, you're like, okay, great day. This yeah. one's coming on. May as well go do my homework. <laughs> yes. But Charles Nelson Riley was in Lidsville. And so was Butch Patrick, Eddie from The Monsters. Yes. He lived in the world of living hats I, again That's I, the pre- I, Lid, Lid. I guess it. Lid is hats yeah and the hats on the show are depicted as having the same characteristics as the humans who would normally wear them for example a cowboy hat would act and speak like a cow oh yes I do remember that there you go it's all coming back I'm gonna have nightmares tonight <laughs> oh and uh, it looks like Charles, my hats Charles, don't start doing that <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Charles Nelson Riley played multiple roles roles he also played the villain Horatio J Hoodoo yeah we might need to to do a little uh a little binge of this show <laughs> maybe it's better ah, boy, I, I, uncle boy. Croc's block. remember that what was that there was a show called uncle croc's block with charles nelson riley where he played an alligator no, I don't remember that. <laughs> look that up that that might be a sid and marty croft thing but i remember it was charles nelson riley in an alligator suit but just being charles nelson riley he's not acting any different that's the way you would expect him to act only he's in a dressed up as an alligator what's the name of it again uncle croc's block phyllis diller also amazing i'm not seeing that listed under Sid and Marty Croft. It no. might not be. It might not be them. But that also introduced cartoons. That was part of it as well. They introduced different cartoons. Yeah, I only knew Charles Nelson Riley from Match Game, and you know, I know he did a lot of theater work. My first Charles Nelson Riley experience was Uncle Croc. I'm going to take this all full circle. Uncle Croc's block was on after the Shazam Isis Hour. Yes, and that's when I watched it. I never missed the Shazam Isis Hour. I love that show. I remember. I, I definitely remember Isis. So. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Sid and Marty? Marty Croft. I don't think there's ever been this much said about them. <laughs> <laughs>
Though I think the way Lady Gaga calls her fans little monsters, I think we should call our fans Slee Stacks. <laughs> I'd vote Lady, for that. Is Lady Gaga a television personality? I'm not familiar <laughs> with that. Yeah. I'm going to so. Google it now. <laughs> well, this was fun. Kid time memories, what it was like being a kid in the 70s and 80s. And if there's anybody who's younger than 50 listening to this or 40, you had to watch this stuff when it was on. There wasn't endless kids entertainment available to you. So this stuff, it was special. It was important. If there's anyone younger than 50 watching, I'm going to ask why. <laughs> and you did you did race home to watch it. It was oh, yeah. without question. Without, you couldn't, yeah. There were no yeah. VCRs yet that we right. There's yeah, no yeah. binging. So it was a bad day when you missed it. And then you rushed home to find out it was Lidsville. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then the day got worse. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Don't Touch That Dial, a classic TV podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. Please leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back soon with another journey back in time to the days of static, laugh tracks, and seven channels.